1: Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events.
2: Hey there, Greta here. We are on vacation this week, and we were thinking about what we should air over the break, and we were like, why not replay One of the greatest Nerd episodes of all time. So here you go from all the way back in August of 2017. Jeez, that is almost three years. Here's me, co-host Emeritus Trisha Bobita, and a whole bunch of bassoons. From WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette. I'm Trisha Bobita. And I'm Greta Johnson. And this week's episode is all about the nerdiest instrument in the symphony orchestra.
3: Oh, uh, <laughs> the sousaphone.
2: <laughs> That's pretty good, but nerdier. The French horn. <laughs> also nerdy, but nerdier. Um, tuba. Tuba is pretty nerdy, but also gets credit for marching band. So I think this instrument is still nerdier than the tuba. All right, I give up. All right, here's a hint.
3: The bassoon, yes, the bassoon. We will talk to no fewer than three bassoonists this week.
2: Technically four, because you know I got that dark bassoon pass too. Oh right, there will also be a bassoonist journalist, a
3: bassernalist, if you must. A professional bassoonist will perform an extra special composition for us. And we'll talk to Rain Wilson, the actor best known as Dwight Schrute, on The Office, who wrote an autobiography called The Bassoon King.
1: I never thought that I would get a call from someone saying, hey, we're doing a podcast on bassoons, and they would call me as an authority. I'm just pleased as punch. This is fantastic. It's like a dream come true.
2: So strap in, folks. It's going to be a good one. Literally strap in. You can do that because bassoons have a seat strap. Before we get to the interviews with bassoon experts
3: and professionals, I'm sitting next to a bassoon amateur, Greta. <laughs>
2: I mean, I guess, yes, I, you could call me an amateur. I did play the bassoon for a couple of years in junior high and high school. That's true. And remind me because I was never in band of any sort. Right. What does the bassoon look like? I feel like the best way to explain the bassoon is that it's just like a big ass oboe, sort of. <laughs> That's what it sounds like anyway. It's the weird-looking one. It's like the five-foot-long weird-looking one. Is that why you picked it? It is exactly why I picked (laughs) Uh it, actually. Yeah, I had started with the violin, and then when I was allowed to be in band, I just switched to the clarinet so I could be in band. And then I played clarinet for several years, and there was a guy at church who played the bassoon, and I just saw it, and I was like, I want to play that weird thing. That's what I want to play.
3: And I did. How... Does one transport a bassoon
2: when you're 12, 13 years old? Yeah, well, I was like 14 okay. um riding the bus to high school and like I do distinctly remember like luckily there were handles on both sides of this very large rectangle. But I remember the jocks on the bus being like what are you doing with that big box and me just like <laughs> oh, hating no. myself and then being oh. really happy when I finally started dating the tenor saxophonist who was a year older than me and able to drive me into school in the
3: morning. And romances. <laughs> Band
2: romances. That are yeah, really man. about rides to school. Yeah yeah oh, it was boy. great it was it was a big relief when that moment in time came and then the other thing that I remember very distinctly being super angsty about with the bassoon. Was the band teacher, we had, like, a requirement that we all had to participate in pep band, which is, you know, like, the the band at at the football game. Yeah, Yeah, which, like, in Fairbanks, Alaska, it's, like, 55 degrees and maybe snowing, and they want me to lug my (laughs) bassoon out there and sit it on the bench, and I was just like, no. And
3: you hate sports so much. I was so
2: adamant about the—I mean, that was probably a big reason why I quit, actually. I ended up quitting halfway through— my junior year of high school so that I could take comparative world religions, which changed my life. So, you know, yeah.
3: So you're not a bassoon expert. No, (laughs) no. You're a bassoon amateur. Yeah. Novice. novice. Enthusiast. Enthusiast, sure. We have someone who knows quite a bit more about bassoons than you Uh on the line. I would like to welcome Eileen Reynolds to the conversation. She's a arts and culture writer who's written for places like The New Yorker, The Forward, Los Angeles Review of Books. And like Greta, she harbors a dark secret. <laughs> I don't she know about too, dark, but you know. <laughs> is a bassoonist. <laughs> In fact, before she became a journalist, she earned a bachelor's degree in bassoon performance. So she has bassooned for longer than you. Uh-huh. Eileen, welcome to Nerdette. This is a safe space for bassoon loving today and always.
4: <laughs> that's good to know. Hi. Thanks so much for having me. Oh,
2: you know, Eileen, I have to say I do have a lot of regret about not getting a college scholarship for playing the bassoon because I feel like that's a thing that can very easily happen when you play such a weird instrument.
4: Yes, that's the thing they tell you when you start. Um, I'm actually impressed that you chose the bassoon because most people that I know (laughs) didn't, including me. It was a total accident. Um, You know, the band teacher is kind of like holding up the different instruments and then like everyone has to take something. And then in my case, it was like, do you get good grades? Do you already know how to read music? Can you sometimes get a ride home? Okay, bassoon's for you. And then after that, everyone tells you it's great news because you can get a scholarship. And sometimes that does turn out to be true. But it's a funny thing to dangle. In front of someone who's like 11.
2: That's hilarious. I love, yeah, it is funny to think that I like put it on myself because I totally did.
4: Yeah, I mean, the bassoon is really impressive looking, which might be one reason that some people are drawn to it. It has a lot of buttons. It's large. Um, it has like a a little metal piece that comes out that's called the bocal, which is kind of fun to look at. So there's there's a lot to recommend it also. So do you think in general,
2: people inherently don't take this thing seriously, right?
4: yeah I mean, a lot of people have called it like the Rodney Dangerfield of instruments like <laughs> it gets no respect respect. <laughs> I have a different problem sometimes where people can't even remember what it is. Oh, like yeah. people I've known for years and years will say, Oh, how is that oboe playing going or <laughs> uh, what what's that instrument you play again So that's one thing. but then there's also this sort of clown of the orchestra idea, which I'm still not totally sure where it comes from. There's a great Leonard Bernstein lecture where he talks about this and he he's like, I don't really know where this comes from. I think it's kind of gloomy, hmm. which I would agree with in some cases. Um, there's this piece called The Sorcerer's Apprentice, mm-hmm. which features bassoon prominently. And that's used in Fantasia, which you probably remember is like Mickey Mouse with these broomsticks and then there's like water and everything gets out of control and so I think because it's a cartoon it's like oh that's funny but also it's actually not that funny it's kind of scary so (laughs) I go back to the gloomy idea but in kind of like slapsticky stuff or even in sitcoms when something is going sort of comically awry a sort of lazy way to orchestrate that is to have like a little bouncy little bassoon thing or like a little creeping around sound Um, In that same Bernstein lecture, he says, you know, take a man who's trying to sneak home late at night holding his shoes in his hands and dollars to donuts, you'll hear the comic bassoon. And and that can be really true. It's like a quirky, sad trombone. Kind of, yeah. Or like sneakiness. I feel like it often signals sneakiness for some reason.
3: Before we get farther, I want to let people hear that Sorcerer's Apprentice clip so they can hear and go, oh, yeah, I know totally what you're saying in bassooning. Because now... I'm going to remember what a bassoon sounds like. It does sound like sneaking. It's that slow build.
4: So here comes the good part. (laughs) This part. That's the bassoon. Yep. We're all bobbing our heads over here.
2: A great deal of bobbing. It
4: definitely has personality,
3: the bassoon.
4: Yeah. Some people say it sounds like a voice, like a human voice. Like it has a lot of different overtones in it. Whereas something like a clarinet has a pure sound, but some people think it sounds like a fart, um, (laughs) which is part of where its sort of strange reputation comes from. You can hear how the sound can, in that example is very short and kind of explosive, Mm -hmm. and it's also kind of in the same range as flatulence. So some people (laughs) think that. But again, all of this is terribly unfair because it's also – it's a really versatile instrument. It has a really large range. It's like three and a half octaves. And it can play really short, but it can also play these long, beautiful lyrical lines, sort of the way an oboe does. There's actually a lot of variation in what it can do. It just it gets like pigeonholed in this certain context. Another thing I think is interesting is there's there's a couple of pieces that associate bassoon with death, hmm. which I actually kind of love and think there's something Deeper and more interesting to than the the oh bassoon you're a joker thing. Frank Zappa said it has a medieval aroma, which wow. I, which I think is an amazing phrase, and I'm a trying plus phrase. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out what that means, but in. Berlioz's Symphony Fantastique it plays this great role in the, I don't know if you know the story of that piece it's a piece that's a story yeah, but it's like they all flip out when it played too yeah so it's like it's really weird the story is there's this guy and he's in love with this woman that he doesn't really know and he's like totally obsessed with her and then he thinks that she's betrayed him and then he gets really upset and then he like does a lot of opium and then, oh, good. <laughs> and then falls into this dream that he's killed her because he's so mad and then he's like tried and beheaded and then or hanged or something and then and then he goes to hell and dances with witches. Anyway, so the... Hang on, great... hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on.
3: <laughs> to be clear, you're describing what we're all supposed to just be feeling based on a piece of symphony music.
4: Right. So the composer wrote notes. So you knew you knew what you were supposed to think. But the part where there's a, the movement called the March to the Scaffold has some really great bassoon that's sort of comic, but also really creepy. And also I think gets at that sort of medieval aroma. Let's listen to some.
2: This is foreboding.
4: So that's bassoon too, but there's going to be something better. That part's kind of great. There is something kind
2: of ethereal about it, too.
4: Yeah. So Stravinsky in The Rite of Spring, it opens the whole piece. Yeah. Uh, and it's like it's, it's really in the very high register of the bassoon, like pretty much as high up as we can play. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's some debate about whether or not it's supposed to sound difficult. It is difficult, I can tell you. Um, but it's supposed to be primitive And when you hear it in an orchestra hall, you don't quite even know what you're listening to. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely been used, I think, to signal uh, something otherworldly or like out of body or maybe like very into the body if it's about death or farts or whatever.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe the best known bassoon player outside of people who actually know music would be... Rain Wilson, mm. who people know as Dwight from The Office, who wrote a memoir a few years ago called The Bassoon King. Yes. And is maybe bringing the bassoon to the mainstream.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Is he? So I have a lot of feelings about this. (laughs) Um, When I saw that that book came out, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is our our moment. You know, no (laughs) one will confuse us with the oboe anymore and everyone will be talking about the bassoon. It turned out that this was kind of a huge controversy in the bassoon community. First of all, he's using the word bassoon in this context as a stand-in for everything nerdy. So the arc of the book is like he you know, it's about how he was a super nerdy kid and he was into all this nerdy stuff and then And probably, you know, became this actor who got this great comedic role. So the way he's using bassoon is like the same as the way someone else might say like Dungeons and Dragons or something. So there's that. And then the way he describes it in the book is he there's like a little passage where he describes it in sort of unfavorable terms that ends up with. Uh, it sounds like an anemic donkey with laryngitis, which oh. is which is quite unkind. Rude. But real, really, the thing that got people going was he went on Colbert and did this little sketch where he has a bassoon and he's like with a rock band.
1: Well, uh, Rain, I mean, obviously I love your work. I just had no idea you played the bassoon. Oh no, no, no! I do more than just play the bassoon, Steve. I rule the bassoon, for I am the bassoon king. Well, all right. How about um, laying down some tasty bassoon licks for us? What style of bassoon would you like to hear? Classical, jazz? Of course, I'm a master of the rock bassoon. I think we want to hear rock bassoon, don't we? <laughs> okay. Enjoy this little tune I came up with. It's called Dark Heart of the Reed.
4: And then he plays sort of badly a little bit of Mary Had a Little Lamb. <laughs> But then he gets up and smashes the bassoon on the floor. <gasps> and then, like, the whole internet—I mean, the whole internet. I'm talking about the whole bassoon internet. Right. Um, <laughs> bassoon Exploded. I like that there's lots of Twitters. Is there a bassoon Twitter? I mean, there are many bassoon Twitters. <laughs> and so people were really upset that he smashed it because bassoons are expensive. Especially in a lot of music teachers were mad because— bassoons even sort of low-end student bassoons are expensive compared to like a flute or something. So they were saying oh, I could have had a bassoon for my classroom. And then there was this whole Reddit thread talking about whether or not it was in fact a real bassoon oh. or it was a prop bassoon. And I think at some point Rain Wilson said it was a prop bassoon. But then people were going like frame by frame in the clip and saying like, "See, there's the real bassoon over there." Oh my god! Like the way it smashed couldn't have been <laughs> couldn't have been a real bassoon. Must have been a prop bassoon. But so yeah, it was a, it was a little bit of a letdown that we thought this was going to be a great bassoon moment for the culture but then it was kind of just like used as ridicule and that to make anything of your life you have to get away from it but then again i mean it is his face with the bassoon on the cover of the book so he didn't really get away from it
3: there's no such thing as bad publicity for bassoons i say exactly eileen reynolds thank you so much for helping us learn about greta's obsession (laughs) the bassoon (laughs) my pleasure Okay, in just a minute, we place a phone call to Rain Wilson to see what he has to say for himself about this bassoon controversy.
2: You're listening to Nerdette.
0: Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Tanwen. Nguyen. As they discuss the making of this historic HBO Original Limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer Podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.
2: Rain Wilson, we are very excited to talk with you about bassoons today.
1: Yeah, I I never thought that I would get a call from someone saying, hey, we're doing a podcast on bassoons, (laughs) and they would call me as an authority. I'm just pleased as punch. This is fantastic. It's like a dream come true.
2: Has this really never happened to you before? I find that hard to believe.
1: No one does podcasts on bassoons or double reeds or woodwinds for that matter.
2: Oh, man. Okay, I'm going to pitch a woodwind podcast. There you go easy when I finish yeah. this interview woodcast
1: <laughs> with your host Clarence Clarinet <laughs> yeah
2: oh this is terrible okay so Rain how did you get into the bassoon
1: I was a, but a lowly clarinetist but I had my eyes on the saxophone section oh. because the saxophones were so much fun you know they um played um the pink panther theme and they put on sunglasses when they played it you know bonum 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 and they were so cool and they could swing their saxophones back and forth while they played and i was just like oh man i want to be a cool saxophone player so i went to my um junior high school band teacher his name was john law Mm. i'm not kidding johnny law (laughs) it was his actual name and I said, Mr. Law, can I play the saxophone instead of the clarinet? And he said, no, we're full up on saxophones. But you know what would be, you know, it's even cooler than the saxophone. You know what the <laughs> coolest possible instrument is. And I was like, no, what's that? And he's like the bassoon. And um, I, I got swindled. Basically, I got conned. Yeah, I was about to was say, here.
2: Johnny Law lied to you.
1: <laughs> he, lied. Happened. he lied through his teeth.
2: So how, do, how long did you end up playing?
1: I started in um, the end of seventh grade, and I played all the way through senior and high school, so five and a half years.
2: But you didn't do it in college. That was one of those everybody was like, oh, yeah, you could go to college for free if you kept playing that. And I was like, no,
1: I good. I got that as well. I was like, oh, man, you could be a bassoonist. <laughs> I was like, how much do they pay professional bassoonists? <laughs> it's like you could make $30,000 a year as a bassoonist. No, I didn't. Um, at that point, I had uh, segued from being a band nerd to being a drama nerd.
2: Would you say that was a pretty graceful transition from band nerd to drama nerd?
1: Well, yeah, they, it was. Um, so I wrote a book called The Bassoon King that yes, came out you did. a while ago. <laughs> Thanks, sorry for the plug. And But I talk about the hierarchy of nerds in there. So I I went all through that hierarchy. I mean, I started at the lowest, which was chess club. Oh, so. Band nerds are cooler than chess nerds. They're also cooler than Model United Nations nerds, which I also was Model (laughs) United Nations. But then drama nerds are kind of the king of the nerds because there are actually attractive people in (laughs) drama. So they kind of trump. And, And occasionally some popular kids actually are drama nerds.
2: So where does debate fall into this?
1: Oh, that's a good question.
2: Right? I was a debate nerd. I lettered in debate and band.
1: I think debate, oh boy, oh boy. I think it's just under band, but it's very highly respected because (laughs) you're gonna go probably gonna go to an Ivy League college or something with all that debate experience.
2: Fair enough, fair enough. So did you did you ever make your own reads for bassoon?
1: I tried to make my own reads, but um I ended up buying the reads. But I had some read I had some double read disasters. I remember like breaking my reed or it chipped like right before a concert. I'm like, oh, thank God I've got my backup reed. And then I took out my backup reed and my backup reed was chipped or broken or cracked or it had just dried out. It was awful, it was awful. I forget what happened. I think I had to have my dad like literally like tear ass in our, you know, in our Ford Pinto wagon to uh, the local uh, music store and get me some kind of reed. At the very last minute. It was crazy. High stakes.
2: Those are high stakes. That's funny because I had a dream just the other day where I was, it was a job interview, but it turned out to be a bassoon audition, at, <laughs> which is super <laughs> up on a number of levels. I think because of this bassoon episode, I think it's just been on my mind. But my, ex, my I broke the reed. That was what I did in the dream. I was like, oh, oh sorry, guys. Can't do it. Reed's and you didn't broken. have a backup read, did you? No, you didn't. I have didn't. A backup. Nope. So I was off the hook, but it was still a fail.
1: You know those BuzzFeed things? Like, here's a nightmare scenario that only bassoonists can understand. <laughs> you know, yeah. you click on the thing that always, like, only brunettes will understand these tweets or whatever. <laughs> this is like, these are stories that only uh, double readers would really understand. Ooh, but the other, the other thing that was really humiliating, because the original name for the bassoon was the Fagotti. Right. So... John Law, when I signed up to play the bassoon, and this is late seventies Seattle, suburban working class Seattle, he's like, Oh, introducing our newest member of the band today, Rain Wilson is going to be playing the Thagati. <laughs> and all the kids were like, Oh my god, I didn't hear the end of it for like a year. Like, hey Rain, how's your Fagati? And the amount of jokes, tasteless, homophobic jokes that I was Inundated with was out of control. Thanks, John Law. So, do you still own a bassoon? I don't own a bassoon, but I've been I've been looking at them online. Yeah, they're
2: expensive. <laughs>
1: they're expensive, and it, and it's one of those things. It's like okay, the, I guess the lowest end ones are like $1, twelve hundred bucks, and then the mid price is like three thousand, and then they go all the way up to like ten thousand. And I'm sure if you were like playing at Carnegie Hall, you'd want a twenty thousand dollar bassoon or something, but. I kind of like, I don't know the difference between, what's the difference really between a $1,200 bassoon and a $3,000 bassoon and a $5,000 bassoon? Well,
2: I'm pretty sure the $1,200 bassoon is made out of round Legos.
1: <laughs> that would be a great Lego kit.
2: But <laughs> that, would actually, what that would actually be really cool. Have you ever thought about learning the Pink Panther theme on bassoon and just being that guy with the sunglasses just in bass clef?
1: Here's the pathetic thing, though, is that... The bassoon looks pretty rad. It looks like, oh wow, this is fancy mm-hmm. and kind of awe-inspiring, but it sounds like someone with a cold hawking up a loogie. I mean, it—you can't really <laughs> do the Pink Panther theme because it's so um, febrile. It's so tiny. The sound is so small. It's like you need to mic a bassoon. For it to, like, have any... It's huge, but it makes it just such a feeble little retchy drawl. You know, it'd be like... <laughs> Ew, I don't like it'd the gurgle
2: little, that's happening.
1: I mean, come on. Are you with me on this, or are you, like, a big fan of the I bassoon mean, sound? I you
2: mean, know, <laughs> I find it endearing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think that people who are really good at playing the bassoon play a better bassoon than I ever
1: did. Interesting.
2: So what I'm saying, I guess, is maybe it's just you, Rain.
1: (laughs) Maybe I'm just a sucky bassoon player. But even really good bassoon players, it's a lot of wood for a very small sound. That's
2: true. That's true. It is. So you talked about this a fair amount also in your book, The Bassoon King. Did you get angry bassooners emailing you and sending you letters for saying such horrible things?
1: Here's where I got the hate from. I did an an appearance to promote the book on Colbert. Colbert. And, um, I played bassoon and then in like a fit of like rock and roll Jimmy rage, like yeah. exactly. and I smashed the bassoon and they had gotten the cheapest, lousiest, cruddiest used bassoon they could find in New York <laughs> city for a couple hundred dollars on eBay or whatever mm-hmm. for me to smash, um, I mean, it had to be vaguely playable, and the outrage I got <laughs> I mean on the internet of like there's no music in inner city schools, and that bassoon could have been used for blah 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 blah, and you could have funded this and it could and and it was just i mean it was and they started writing all these bad. They, they had an online campaign, like, let's write bad reviews of Rain's book oh. on Amazon
0: oh.
1: by the dozens so people won't buy his book. That'll get him back for smashing that bassoon. Yeah. And it's it's literally – it's the most misguided social justice warriors you've <laughs> ever heard of in your life. There's bassoon justice like warriors. Bassoon justice warriors, you know, the BJJW <laughs> – this $370 bassoon that I smashed, like, yeah, $370 could have helped music programs. But do you know how much money like those shows like just waste? Like just the food they put out in the green room every night that gets just thrown out or whatever it is. or Stuff they build just for one gag for like a 10 second of comedy and they build a whole set backstage. Like it's just like it's so misguided.
2: Yeah. It's funny because we actually, we interviewed another bassoon expert. And she mentioned that the bassoon internet, she was like, bassoon Twitter was pretty upset about that. Yeah. <laughs> there was a big they Reddit were... thread about if it was a real bassoon or not. So I'm glad we could at least answer that question for the bassoon Justice Warriors.
3: It was a
1: barely functional bassoon that could play Mary Had a Little Lamb. Because that's, that's kind of all I could get out on it. But yeah, it, um, it caused quite a storm
2: (laughs) can I ask you one last question before we let you go yes so we do a thing on our podcast nerdette where we ask our guests to give our listeners homework
1: um homework homework seriously (laughs) yeah man um I think that uh they've got to listen to sonata for bassoon and piano
2: perfect that's great Thank you very much, Rian Wilson. I appreciate it.
1: Well, I'm really happy that you're bringing the bassoon, the cause of the bassoon to the masses. And uh, I, this is, I'm very happy that you're doing this. And I'm so pleased to have been a part of the greater conversation.
2: All right, because this episode is all about the bassoon, we have an extra special treat, which is that John Godet is here with us now in the performance studio at WBEZ. He's a bassoonist with the Chicago Philharmonic, and he is going to play a very special tune for us. <laughs>
3: What's your origin story with the bassoon? Was it the instrument you wanted to play from the beginning? Did you start with something else and end up playing?
4: Like most people, I started with something else. I started on the trumpet as a kid. Mm. Got braces on my teeth, hurt too Ooh. much, so I was going to play something temporarily. I still might go back, but probably not. <laughs> so this is
2: still the temporary stage yes. is what you're um, saying? Yes,
4: this is a temporary stage, yeah, <laughs> 50 years later. <laughs>
2: What do you think it is about this piece, the Nerdette theme song that lends itself well to the bassoon
4: uh it's kind of bouncy, it's kind of funny, it's kind of a little calypso mm. I don't know it just really it just strikes a chord with with the way the bassoon sounds. I suppose if you played this on the tuba, it might sound funny, too, <laughs> but not as good as the bassoon.
3: No, clearly not. It's much better on the bassoon than it would be on the tuba, I think.
2: <laughs> True. John Godette, thank you so much for coming on your day.
1: Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been a lot of fun. <laughs>
3: This show is produced by us, Trisha Bobita and Greta Johnson, along with Candace Mattel. Our executive producer is Joel Meyer, and our intern is B Aldrich. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, listen on NPR One, or on the WBEZ app.
2: It's also very helpful if you leave us some stars on Apple Podcasts. Many thanks to Chocolata Latte
3: for the review. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We are at Nerdette Podcast in all of the places.
2: Our theme music is by Poddington Bear and extra special thanks this week to Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music. He is the very clever gentleman who transposed the Nerdette theme into bassoon sheet music. It sounds good on bassoon. Doesn't it sound great? Do your homework. Do your homework.
0: Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer Podcast from HBO.